Welcome to the 218th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of our podcast, we have another special college football preview edition, and our topics are a look at the group of five conferences and the major independents. So let's jump right in with a bit of refresher on the changes to each of these uh, group of five conferences, starting with Conference USA. Well, in the Conference of USA, we have a bunch of new arrivals, as we talked about before. Uh, we did talk about all the different conference changes, but starting with the arrivals, you have Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, new teams moving up to FBS. Uh, you have Liberty, who moves from the Independence, and New Mexico State, who moves from the Independence. And the next year, not relevant for this, but uh, Kennesaw State will be moving um, from the FCS to the FBS in 2024. They have a good basketball program, though, so that is, that is uh, very notable. Uh, but then in terms of departures, you have Charlotte, FAU, Marshall, North Texas, Old Dominion, Rice, Southern Miss, UAB, and UTEP all leaving. A few of those in 2022, that'd be Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss. But still worth noting that they left the conference recently as you talk about the different members that they are adding to replace uh, those teams. Because they're not just replacing the 2023 exits, they're also replacing these teams as well. Um, in the American... You have Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. So obviously a lot of teams from the CUSA uh, joining the American. And in terms of departures, you have the obvious three that are going to the Big 12. UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, who are also joining BYU in the Big 12 next year. We talked about that. Uh, the Sun Belt, you have James Madison, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss coming in. James Madison from FCS last year uh, has now become a fixture at the top of the conference, I believe, has four first place votes in the uh, media in the preseason media poll, which is pretty good for a team that's only been in D1 for one year. And then departures, they have none in football. Um, Little Rock and UT Arlington in other sports, if you care about that. Um, and then in the Mountain West, they follow the suit. They follow suit with the Pac-12 and many others by eliminating divisions, with the top two going to the conference championship game instead. But do not do anything with adding or replacing teams for now but maybe likely to uh, add a team or two back from the past, add a team or two that go from the dissolved Pac-9, Pac-8, Pac-7, Pac-6. Once could, it becomes could be the, happening as we record this. We don't know. Exactly, and once it becomes the Pac-5, then probably the five will be joining Packing the Mountain West. The Mountain West. Um, and that would probably entail Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. We don't really know. I mean, you can, you can put your guesses out there. It's probably going to be somewhat right, uh, but at the same time, it's going to be that group of teams. And then the MAC, they remain completely unchanged. One of the few conferences that still has the divisions, I actually think it's only them, the SEC, and the Big Ten at this point who have divisions, and yes, that is true. Those are the only conferences that do divisions, and the Sun Belt does divisions as well. Um, but I bet they'll probably eliminate that once they're done reconciling their uh, different uh, new entries over the next few years. Okay, well, now that we have all that straight, I mean, yeah, right, we're going to need a cheat sheet for the whole year, and um, we think changes might still happen before the season starts. But now that we've got that straight, at least for this season, uh, let's move on to some of the conference previews, and we will start in the American Conference. Well, very ironic. After the American loses a bunch of teams, I have them, I think last year I had one ranked team in this conference. Maybe I had two. Maybe I had Cincinnati and UCF. I'd have to go back and check. Or maybe Houston, probably Houston and Cincinnati. But... This year, I still have the American ending the year with two teams ranked. Nobody in the top 20, though, which is a difference from last year. Because uh, last year, they also had Tulane show up and be very, very good for the whole year um, and beat USC in the Sugar Bowl as the, New York, as the New Year's Six team, which was definitely a surprise. But 
This year, once again, I do have them winning the American. They are the number 21 team in the country by the end of the year, according to me. Uh, and they are going to beat Memphis, the number 24 team in the country, according to me, um, who goes 9-3 and three on the season. Tulane goes 10-2. and two. Probably you could argue the best two teams of the group of five. Maybe there are some other candidates that we'll talk about a little bit later, a, a little bit of a bold prediction that I have on another team that would probably make Memphis the third best team. Um, but overall, still have both these teams doing a lot. Tulane, the two losses, I actually had them losing to Memphis in the regular season. Um, and then I have them losing to Ole Miss because, well, you know, they can be great, but Ole Miss is still Ole Miss. This is still an SEC team against an American team. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. And I think it's on the road as well. So not really too, uh, too favorable of a matchup for them. Uh, but then I have them, you know, avenging that loss against Memphis um, in the regular season and beating them in the championship game. So all's well that ends well for them. Uh, in terms of Memphis, their three losses, I have them losing to Navy in conference. I have them losing to Missouri out of conference and then North Texas in conference as well. Uh, North Texas is a new entry who I think uh, one of the better teams of the new entries. I'll get to the rest of them in a second, but they're definitely going to be up there with the rest of them. Although when you look at how many teams the American replaced, especially from the top of the conference specifically, it's hard for the new entries to not end up at the top of the conference, but uh, I still would point that out just because that's not really going to be what happens in the Big 12. Okay, so now that we got your thoughts on the championship game participants and winner, um, who's the biggest challenger to those two teams? I'm going to put SMU in this group just because past they have been a very good team, uh, and I think future they will be a very good team. Definitely at the top of this conference, considering their program history, their ability to recruit off of that, not that they don't have the death penalty sanctions still going from however long ago that was. Um, but they do have a first-year starter. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore at quarterback, uh, but he was the number 18 quarterback, number 148 overall player in the 2021 20, class. Um, so the talent everywhere, is it's there. It's the level of a contender. I'm just not quite sure about a first-time starter. Um, being able to upset the likes of Tulane and Memphis, who have secure uh, security, I should say, at the quarterback position, uh, with Michael Pratt especially for Tulane, definitely the best co quarterback in this conference, arguably a top 10, maybe even top 5 uh, quarterback in all of college football. Uh, but look, they could still be easily in the championship game. I wouldn't be surprised, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Tulane a run for their money either. But for now, I'm going to put them in the challenger category as a result of the fact that they don't have that experience at quarterback. All right, well, what teams uh, do you think are going bowling from the conference? Well, obviously, we start with the first two that are in the championship game. You have number 21, Tulane, who I have going 10-2. Uh, you have number 24, Memphis, who's 9-3. and three. Uh, I should mention I have Tulane as the New Year's Six representative for the group of five teams, although it'll be a close battle between them and Memphis and potentially SMU, and then also one other mystery team that I'll talk about later, maybe two or three, actually. Uh, but... Then SMU, like I said, I have them as the biggest challenger. I don't have them having a terrible year. I have them going 8-4, and four, uh, so it's not like I have them being too far off the lead. I actually have them tied in conference with Memphis. They just lose out on the tiebreaker. Um, and then I have Navy, FAU, UTSA, and North Texas all going 7-5 and five and barely squeaking into bowl games. Interesting, though, because FAU, UTSA, and North Texas are all new entries to the American, obviously, so... Uh, half the representatives, according to me, or three to the seven, almost half, uh, are going to be new representatives uh, for the bowl games in the American. We'll see how that works with some ties, the bowl game ties that exist between conferences. You'll probably see those teams at bowls they haven't been in in a while, and they'll probably have some new matchups with teams that they haven't played maybe many times before. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens with this conference. It's a really interesting one to monitor because 
you just never know how big the difference is between jumping from conference to conference. I mean, you can tell that with the American and the Big 12, the Big 12 is a big step up from the American specifically. But in terms of from the American coming from the Sun Belt or the CUSA, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's too big of a step up for these teams to adapt to. I'm evaluating it as if the step up for them to go to the American is a little bit smaller than the step up for the American teams that are going to the Big 12. And as a result, I have most of these teams kind of just tracking on target with uh, past seasons and their, their, their conferences from before that. Although, you know, I do have Rice, UAB, and Charlotte at the bottom end of the conference, but Rice and Charlotte were already really bad last year anyway, so that doesn't really change anything. Rice, I guess, won 5-7 and seven and then actually made a bowl game based off of APR, but... Uh, four and eight from a five and seven team isn't really that crazy. And then, you know, Charlotte, one of the worst teams in FBS last year. So, uh, you know, they got a new coach, but I don't really think that's going to make that big of a difference. You know, uh, especially first year with coaches, teams tend to struggle anyway. So even if he is a very good coach long-term, might not be a great first year. All right, let's move over to the Mountain West and start uh, with the championship game participants and who you think is going to win it. Well, there are two clear favorites in this conference. It's Boise State and Air Force. I have both teams going 9-3. and three. I have Boise State winning the conference championship game against Air Force. I actually have them beating them twice in the season. Uh, the only reason Boise State, though, is going 9-3 and three overall is because their non-conference is tough. I otherwise would have them as probably a 10 or 11 win team. And um, if you look at my overall season predictions where I do the AP others receiving votes, I actually have Boise State in that category. So I do have them only, you know, six or seven teams behind um, Tulane and Memphis. If you were to expand the rankings beyond a top 25, they're probably in the 30, 31-ish range, Um, probably even a little higher than that. But Boise State overall, I think they're really due for a good season. I think that with all with everything else that's going on and with the fact that they eliminated divisions and they used to have the tougher division as their division, I think they're going to be able to have a really strong season. Um, And I think that outside of their first game against Washington, I really don't see a guaranteed loss on the schedule. I have them losing to San Diego State and then to Memphis out of conference. But I really think Boise State is probably a better team than Memphis. I just don't know if they're going to be able to go on the road and win that game. Um, But look, overall, I like Boise State uh, as a team. And then Air Force had a really great season last year as well. So... Hard to count either of those teams out. Air Force continuing recent success. I think they've had eight or nine wins every season for the last four years. I forget if it was eight or if it was nine, but I know they've had a streak going about uh, a certain number of wins, pretty much like the Iowa of the Mountain West, if you will. Okay, who's the biggest challenger to those two teams? I have it being San Diego State. They had a good year last year. Uh, Obviously, they're in their Brady Hoke era, and they have actually, they almost, I think they actually did win in their bowl game against Middle Tennessee. It was a very interesting game. I remember that. It was the Hawaii Bowl or the Aloha Bowl, whatever they call it now. Uh, But they have a tough schedule out of conference. They play both Oregon State and UCLA, and that might prevent them from being even a lock for a bowl game. But I also think that they have the talent to potentially win the conference if things go their way, I do have them going two and two in the non-conference, which means that they go seven and five overall. But their one win over Air Force away from changing the standings around and being in the conference championship game. So I think that they're really, really close um, to being one of those quality teams. And I do have them taking down Boise State. So I clearly have some respect for them. They have, they, they're the only team I have beating Boise State. They're the, the chosen ones per se. Um, so I think they have the talent to do it. I just don't think that with that conference schedule or that out-of-conference schedule, 
that you're going to see them as more of a 7 or 8 win team. I, I think that this is probably a 9-10 win team in a bad conference on paper, but again, that schedule is going to hold them back. Um, and then I think, you know, when you don't always have the momentum going into the year, it can cause a few slip-ups pretty early on when you just don't have the confidence going. So I think that might hold them back as well. Okay. What about uh, other teams going bowling? Obviously, you've mentioned those three teams. Other teams going bowling in the Mountain West. Well, like I said, Boise State, Air Force, San Diego State. And then other 7-5, I only have one other 7-5 team, I should say. I have Fresno State going 7-5 and and making a bowl game. Um, UNLV, Utah State, and Wyoming all going 6-6, six and six, although some of those are a little bit of over overvaluations. A lot of, if you looked at Vegas, that I think, I don't remember, I think, I think Utah State is five and a half or ish, or maybe UNLV is a five uh, win total. But I have a few of those teams going over because uh, the Mountain West typically does skew to be a conference that has more bowl game teams than you anticipate heading into the year. Um, but then in terms of other things that I have to say about this conference, I'm just going to throw this out there. If there's ever going to be a team to make the playoff before we go to mega conferences and it's pretty much impossible, well, I guess there's a 12-team playoff, so yeah. they'll, they'll be in it for sure. But as an at-large, at least in those con- in the mega conferences, because we've lost the big teams out of them. I mean, the only teams that have ever contended for a spot that aren't Notre Dame um, are UCF and Cincinnati, and now they're both in the Big 12 anyway, so that's not going to be an issue anymore. Uh, but look... Boise State, I actually think, is a dark horse playoff contender because the number one thing you have to have is an out-of-conference tough schedule and a good enough conference schedule. And really, I don't think that most teams can go through a good enough schedule to actually win enough and get into the playoff. But I think that Boise State could kind of mirror that Cincinnati season a few years ago. But it's really going to come down to their first five games. They play at Washington versus UCF and then versus North Dakota is a very easy game. But then at San Diego State, at Memphis. So they play arguably, well, they play one Big 12 team. They play a Pac-12 literal a, a playoff contender on the road in their first game. Uh, they play one D2 team. Yeah, okay, I get it. But then they probably play arguably a top three or four team in their own conference and then a top three or four team in the American. And I think that if they're 5-0 and at the end of those games, they're probably in or near the top 15. And then their next seven games are easily, way, just way easier than that part of their schedule. Once they get through those five, if they're able to, I don't see them suffering a a trip up against Air Force or any team like that. They would just have way too much confidence to be able to lose that game. Um, And I think that that win in the opener, if they were able to get it over over, um, Washington, could do that same effect that Cincinnati had when they went on the road and beat Notre Dame. The reason why they're super, super dark horse, though, is they probably will only enter as an others-receiving-votes team in the preseason top 25, Maybe a little bit uh, behind that would be my guess, or potentially maybe bottom of the top 20-ish, maybe 21, 22 is probably their range if they're going to be ranked at all. But the big difference, they are plus 14 and a half against Washington in their opener, despite the fact that Cincinnati was a group of five team going into a top 10 Notre Dame team, they were actually favored by two at Notre Dame. So it's a little bit of an easier matchup, uh, or it was an easier matchup for Cincinnati, even on paper, even before it was kind of treated as a shocker, it was still something that was definitely in the cards, whereas this game, it's a, it's a little more of a long shot, but if they're able to pull it off and Washington still has a good season, this could be something that would propel them into the playoffs. Okay, let's move over to Conference USA with the uh, teams you think are going to be in the championship game and who's going to win it. Well, I have Liberty, the new entry coming in and winning the conference in their first year. Liberty has been good enough to win probably a few of these conferences for a couple years now, uh, but just obviously not in the conference, so that wasn't in the cards. I have them beating Western Kentucky, who was last year's winner of the CUSA. 
I have Liberty going nine and three. Have Western Kentucky going eight and four. Uh, in terms of any of those teams having, you know, strong schedules, not really. Uh, Liberty doesn't really play anybody out of conference. Uh, I have them losing to Buffalo, but that's not that big of a deal. Western Kentucky does play Ohio State, so that's kind of important. Um, and they also play Troy, who is the favorite to win the Sun Belt. So they play two pretty good teams, obviously, two two near top of the conference, if not both of them favorites. Actually, I don't know what betting lines say about Ohio State versus Michigan in terms of the favorite to win the conference. But I know at least Troy is the favorite in the Sun Belt. Um, so two really quality teams on their non-conference schedule. So 8-4 and four is kind of underselling Western Kentucky's talent a little bit. Um, but overall, I have them tying atop the conference with Liberty uh, and also with the regular season win over Liberty. But then I have Liberty avenging that regular season loss and beating Western Kentucky in the championship game to take, uh, to become the, I don't know if there have been any teams ever to be an 100% win rate in their conference championship games in the seasons they've been there. They would be one for one, and then they should probably just leave the conference again and leave that record as something that's completely untouchable for any other team unless UCF somehow pulls off a miracle and wins Big 12. All right, who's, got, who's the biggest challenger to be in that championship game? I have two, two little entries for this, but one of them is an actual serious one. The other one, not really. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, 7-5. and five. They had a good season last year. They have a returning quarterback. I like what they have overall. Uh, I have them going 5-3. and three. They have a rough non-conference because they play Alabama and they play Missouri, so uh, they, they, they definitely are a little bit tough heading into that season. But then, after maybe going 2-2 two and two in the non-con, I can see them going 5-3 and three in conference, which is what I have them doing. I have them losing to the top two of the conference, and then also a loss to Sam Houston, who we can talk about now. They are probably the biggest wildcard challenger I'll throw out there in any conference, but you just never know what a new D1 entry might do in their first season, and to be quite honest, with all that this conference has lost, this is probably the worst conference that has ever existed in college football, in overall talent, just because they lost arguably six of the top eight teams, I would, I would say. And, they're, and, you know, yes, Liberty has been good. They've been in the top 25 a few times last few years, but they did not replace the talent in, in, in the best way possible. Um, and I just think that overall, it's nothing against the Conference of USA. They're at least trying to stay alive because, you know, the Pac-12 might dissolve. So if the CUSA lives on and the Pac-12 dissolves, they don't really care how bad they are. At least they still exist. Um, but th- I, I just think that, you know, this is a weak conference. Um, you looked at a James Madison last year who entered into a tougher conference, objectively, by far, in the Sun Belt that has Coastal Carolina, who, Coastal Carolina, a few years ago, was undefeated for pretty much the entire year. Same thing with Troy uh, this year, and they made some noise. And, and South Alabama, also a pretty good team in that conference. Louisiana Lafayette has been ranked multiple times in the last few years. Marshall is a very good all-time program. So when you look at all those teams, if James Madison can go above 500 and be in a bowl game if it weren't for that stupid NCAA rule... I don't see why Sam Houston can't win a much weaker conference. That being said, I have them going 5-7, and seven, although it doesn't matter if they pick up an extra win because they're ineligible for a bowl game. Um, but I do think that you could see this team pick up some more wins. I have them going 1-3 and three in non-conference because I'm pretty sure they play a ridiculously tough non-conference schedule. But 4-4 four and four in conference in your first year uh, in said conference isn't bad, and it would put them in a bowl game if they were able to put off one upset in the in their non-conference season, or if they're able to just go five and three in conference, and I think they're probably capable of doing either. All right. So, what uh, conference USA bowl game participants do you have? Well, I have Liberty and Western Kentucky, as we mentioned. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, who I have as the main challenger or a wild card challenger, uh, seven and five, and then I have UTEP and Louisiana Tech having decent seasons and going six and six. I mean, again. Pretty weak conference overall, so the non-conference records here are pretty ugly. 
Um, I have two teams going above 500 in their non-conference schedules, and that includes New Mexico State, who plays five games. That's not even fair. Uh, They also play UMass and New Mexico and Western Illinois, who are probably the worst teams that you could find. And Western Illinois literally isn't even a D1 team. Uh, So in terms of non-conference success, you're not going to find it here. They're going to be tough. It's going to be tough for any of these teams to make bowl games, frankly, probably outside of the top three of the conference, I would guess. Uh, the teams that are getting four wins, five wins from in-conference itself, at least. Um, but those are the teams that I do have going. Although UTEP and Louisiana Tech easily are candidates to miss bowl games as well. Okay, let's turn our attention to the Mid-American Conference. And who do you have as the championship game participants and winner? I have Ohio versus Toledo. Ohio as a 7-5 and five team. Toledo as a 10-2 and two team. If you think it's a mismatch, thank you, division model. That's what it gets you. Um, I do have... Two other 8-4 and four teams, though, in the MAC that I'll talk about in a second. But Ohio, 7-5. and five. They take the tiebreaker uh, over Miami of Ohio. And for that reason, despite having the same conference record of 6-2, and two, they are going to be entering into the MAC championship game. Now, the reason why they're in at 7-5 and five is because their non-conference is pretty ridiculous. They play San Diego State, they play FAU, and they play Iowa State. So some tough opponents there that I don't think Ohio is necessarily ready to handle. Um, but as a result, they have kind of a weak record, but still end up in the conference championship game. Uh, and I'll talk about Miami of Ohio's non-conference schedule in a little bit. But then you have Toledo. They play Illinois non-conference, so that's pretty tough. But then I only have their other loss coming to Miami of Ohio. This is probably easily the favorite, um, probably the easiest conference for me to research and come up with a winner in, honestly. Uh, I kind of have seen this since the end of last year that they're, they should repeat. Um, actually, I don't know if they won it last year or not, but that going into this year with the level of talent they have. Uh, they should have a pretty good season. Um, so going with Toledo and Ohio and then Toledo winning that game. All right, and with divisions, who do you have as the biggest challengers to make that championship game? Well, I have Miami of Ohio in the East. That is Ohio's division. As I said, I have them tying for the conference. I'll talk about their schedule. Uh, they made a funny decision this year. Miami is playing Miami in the Battle of the Miamis. Uh, the Miami of Ohio uh, Redhawks, I think it is are playing the Miami, Florida Hurricanes. So we will see who the superior Miami is. I would think it would be really funny if Miami of Ohio won this matchup and never played Miami of Florida again. That would be awesome. Um, Probably not going to happen, but I I, I think that would be really funny. They also play Cincinnati, though, so two power conference teams now that Cincinnati is in the Big 12. Uh, So kind of a tough non-con for them, too, as well. But I still have them going 8-4 and and then two conference losses, including that one to Ohio being the thing that uh, kind of screws them out of that division title and not being able to play uh, in that championship game. And then I have Eastern Michigan in the West uh, going and losing four games. So not really the biggest challenger in terms of their overall record. They're two games out in terms of conference record. I actually have three teams tied at five and three. Um, but overall, I'm giving the edge to Toledo. Eastern Michigan is a distant second place challenger with a uh, with the loss to Minnesota in the non-conference, and then Central Michigan, Toledo, and Buffalo in conference, but still going 8-4, and four, having a solid season. All right, what teams do you have going bowling from the MAC? Well, as I said, Toledo, Ohio, Miami of Ohio, uh, and then Eastern Michigan all going into bowl games. Eastern Michigan at 8-4, and four, uh, Toledo at 10-2, and two, Ohio at 7-5, and five, Miami of Ohio at 8-4 and four as well. Um, and then you have Buffalo at 7-5, and five, Northern Illinois at 7-5, and five, and Central Michigan at 6-6 six and six as teams going bowling. A lot, of, a lot of teams that are on this list are playing very good teams in the non-conference, so some of the quality that's there, you never know when an upset could come, like Notre Dame lost to Marshall last year, right? A team that barely, I, don't, I won't say like scraped into a bowl game, but 
weren't exactly a lock to make a bowl game, made a bowl game, uh, and yet they beat Notre Dame in the non-conference. So you never know what could happen. Maybe Central Michigan against Notre Dame is the upset of the year. It's probably not going to happen, but Notre Dame has a tough schedule. They might be looking ahead a little bit. And then you also have uh, Central Michigan playing Michigan State. I don't even think Michigan State is favored by two touchdowns in that game, and if they are, you should probably take Central Michigan points. Um, But... Fact of the matter is, there's probably an equal likelihood that Washington loses to Boise State than there is that uh, Michigan State loses to Central Michigan. It, it, it's not exactly a close game, but it's at least a game that might be intriguing to watch to see uh, uh, how a, how a middle of the tier, middle tier um, non-power conference team stacks up against a also middle tier, middle uh, big conference team uh, plays. And then you have Northern Illinois who. They really have a tough non-conference. They are playing Boston College and Nebraska as well, so they're probably going to lose a few games there. Um, but other than that, not really much action in this conference. Pretty much same old boring Mac as always, although I love that this conference plays literally pretty much every day of the week except for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, Maction, you can always find it. Uh, let's move to our final Group of Five conference, the Sun Belt. Who do you got in the championship game, and who do you think is going to win? I have Coastal Carolina playing Troy in the championship game. I have Troy coming out with the victory over Coastal Carolina, a a fixture at the top of the Sun Belt recently. Um, But I do have Troy coming out with that win. If you look at the Sun Belt preseason media poll, there are actually a lot of teams vying for first place here. It's probably one of the more interesting conferences um, to look at. So I do do like this conference a lot. Um, you, You start with... James Madison and Troy, who are the picks to win their respective divisions um, by the preseason media polls. Uh, Grayson McCall is still playing for Coastal Carolina, if you care. He has been, uh, he's led 12 win teams, a lot of different teams, uh, to victories. But it's pretty interesting because if you actually look at this, you have Troy, you have Coastal Carolina, you have Georgia State, uh, you have Marshall. You have South Alabama, all with six or more all-conference picks. And just overall, it's a really, really interesting conference race. Uh, I think I had four teams tied at the top. Maybe I maybe I messed with it on purpose to make sure I didn't have to sort out a four-way tie. I think I did. Um, but, yeah, if you look at the conference media poll, every single team in the top five of the Eastern Division has a first-place vote from some member of the me- uh, from some member of the coaches, actually, excuse me. Um, And then the West Division, you have Troy, who's really good at the top, and South Alabama, who's really good at the top, at 10 first-place votes for Troy, uh, four for South Alabama, and then the other teams that have four first-place votes are James Madison and App State, then Coastal has three, Marshall has two, and Georgia Southern has one. Um, So there are a lot of quality teams in this conference. Uh, There's a clear separation for me with Troy and the rest of the conference, but they're not exactly... I, I'll say, I feel like there's a clear separation, but there's so many challengers right under them, uh, still by a good margin, but just close enough, that it's going to be tough for them to actually go through and win this conference, even though on paper they're the best team. Um, they have a tough out-of-conference game against Kansas State. That could be a really interesting game if you're looking for group of five versus power five upsets. Uh, South Alabama's game against Tulane could also be one of those games. Those two favored to finish atop this conference uh, overall by the preseason coaches poll, and then You have Coastal, App State, James Madison, and Marshall all at the top uh, of the other side of this conference in the Eastern Division. And they're really all honestly evenly matched teams. If you looked at Vegas odds, I'm pretty sure they're even in terms of their over-unders. They're even in terms of odds to win the conference. But I do have Coastal winning their side. um, And then I have James Madison, Marshall, and App State all going 7-5, so not too far behind. All right, who are the biggest challengers to uh, 
not Coastal Carolina or Troy out of that championship game. Well, as I talked about, there are a lot of teams that are really, really tight with Coastal um, at the top of their division. James Madison, Marshall, and App State all going 7-5, and five, but I really think they all have a decent chance of vying for the division and also a conference as a whole. As I said with the preseason coaches poll, it's very clear that even within the conference, there's a belief that any of those teams could come out on top. Uh, James Madison, you never know what type of second step they're going to take after being in D1 for the first year last year. Marshall, a very good team that has just been really good for a while. Uh, you have App State, who has been at the top of this conference themselves for a while. Then you have Coastal Carolina, the, of course, the fixture that's been opposite kind of of Appalachian State at the top of this conference. And then I have South Alabama actually probably is the best challenger, honestly, in this division um, and in the conference as a whole. A new entry as well, so very interesting for them. But I think they're going to vie for the conference title, and we'll see who comes out on top. Okay, who do you have going bowling? Well, I have Troy, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, James Madison, Marshall, Appalachian State, and then the two teams that I haven't mentioned yet, Louisiana Lafayette and Georgia Southern. I think Louisiana Lafayette actually just goes by Louisiana now, but still. Um, those two teams also going 7-5. and five. I already talked about the other teams pretty extensively, so I won't go into too many details. But overall, pretty solid schedules, pretty tough teams there. Uh, Louisiana plays Minnesota in the non-conference. That could be a very, very intriguing game as well. I'm just throwing out different games that could be there. Uh, App State beat North Carolina last year. They play them again this year. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Georgia Southern, they play Wisconsin uh, in a matchup of uh, Clay Helton and Luke Fickle, if you care about coaching matchups. Uh, Coastal Carolina, for some reason, goes all the way west and plays UCLA, which I think seems really stupid if you ask me. Um, and they also play Army out of conference, so two two pretty premier non-conference games for them. Uh, James Madison continuing to schedule very hard games out of conference, despite being in a very tough conference themselves, uh, playing Virginia and Utah State as well. Um, so pretty tough for them. Uh, so we'll just have to see what happens with them, their non-conference schedule, uh, their overall schedule. But uh, other than that, not really anything else interesting worth talking about in this conference. Uh, other than that matchup that I talked about earlier with Troy and Kansas State. All right, well, finally, let's move over to the independents who obviously don't have a conference championship game because they're not in the conference. So let's just talk about the teams that might be going bowling. Well, I have two. I'll start with one. You have Army. They're going 7-5, and five, according to me. They don't get an in-depth schedule look. Um, they have one important game. They play LSU. You could say maybe Syracuse is an important game or Troy or Air Force for confidence builders for the teams vying for conference championships. Uh, I do have UConn. I guess this is a note of interest. I have UConn missing a bowl game after making one for the first time in forever last year. Um, and then I also have UMass being maybe the only 1-11 team in the, in the country. I think, sorry, I, I'm sorry. I disrespected Kent State by leaving them out of the conversation. I also have them going 1-11, so two 1-11 teams. Uh, there that I probably should have mentioned. Uh, but then the most important team in all of college football, arguably, because they can sway four different conference races, Notre Dame. They are going 10-2, and two, according to me. Uh, their whole schedule is worth going over because, like I said, probably, arguably, at least in my opinion, the greatest one-team impact on the playoff by having the chance either on their own of just making the playoff by probably going 11-1 themselves. That'd probably do enough to put them in there. Um, or by the results against the three playoff contenders uh, that are on their schedule by my count. And spoiler alert, three top ten teams. I haven't talked about these conferences at all yet, so you don't know where they are ranking, and I will get to that in the next podcast or two. Um, but they play Ohio State, USC, and Clemson three weeks apart. If you look at their schedule overall, they play a lot of teams near the top of their conference. Navy's a team near the top of the American 
Uh, NC State has had some good performances in the ACC in the past, and that's a road game. That's a trap game for them. Uh, then they have Ohio State at home. That'll be a really interesting game, honestly. I, uh, Ohio State's currently favored in that one by 7.5, but I could see that line creeping down depending on how Kyle McCord plays in the first few games uh, and if people think that he can adapt to that atmosphere because Notre Dame played them pretty close last year, almost won that game. Notre Dame had a significant upgrade at the quarterback position. Ohio State, I won't say had a significant downgrade because C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord are, frankly, pretty much identical in recruiting rankings. Um, but I will say that Stroud's experience definitely makes him an upgrade over McCord overall, but not not by a super, super big amount. But I will say Notre Dame got better at the most important position. Ohio State got worse. Um, it could be a really close game, and then you also swing it to being a home game for Notre Dame rather than for Ohio State, and it was close already last year. Uh, then you have Notre Dame playing two ACC teams, Duke and Louisville, on the road. They could potentially lose either of those games, honestly. Uh, Notre Dame only a four-point favorite on the road for Louisville, so that's that's that could be a trap game for them as well. And it's especially a trap game because the week after they are playing USC at home in what will probably be one of the more important games of the year again this year. Uh, Notre Dame vying for maybe uh, potentially claiming a spot in the playoff t- towards the end of last year if they were able to pull off a road upset against USC. They did not. Um, and then USC, if they had lost that game, were out of playoff contention. If they won that game, it would come down to the Pac-12 championship. Obviously, they won that game. They beat UCLA, and then they lost it all in the conference championship game. Uh, but very important game there. Then you have their game against Pitt. Probably not going to be a very important game on their schedule. Um, and then Clemson on the road. Clemson is a six-point favorite. So it's pretty crazy to look at how Vegas thinks of those three teams, honestly, if you ask me, uh, that USC and Notre Dame, I believe, is an even line completely, uh, or they don't have odds for it. I, I, I forget what this means when you see off on ESPN, but I think it, I think it actually means that they're a pick game, but I'm not quite sure. Um, no, it means it's off the board. There's no, no line. Well, that's interesting. But then they have Ohio State, obviously, as a 7.5-point favorite on the road, yet Clemson as only a 6-point favorite at home. So clearly belief out there is that Ohio State's a better team than Clemson. I would agree with that. Um, but Notre Dame, three really tough games regardless. Um, any of those teams winning those games probably, I'd say, improves their chances to make the playoff by 20-30%, honestly. Uh, if you're looking at Ohio State beating Notre Dame on the road, I look at their schedule overall, and I don't want to go too much in-depth with it because we're going to talk about it, but they play Penn State at home, they play Michigan on the road. I, I think if they beat Notre Dame, they only need to win one of those two games, and they'd probably make the playoff again as a one-loss team. So if Notre Dame's able to pull off that win... That forces Ohio State to, to run the table from there on out. Very, very important game, potentially. Same thing with USC in their schedule. I think they're losing at least one of their final three games, uh, one of their final five games, I should say, with Utah, Washington, and Oregon all in that game, in those five games. So they're going to lose one, at some point there, and then Notre Dame is actually the week before they play Utah, um, and Oregon is favored over USC. So we'll, we'll get to all that soon. But I will say, Notre Dame, definitely a huge impact on the playoff. And then when you look at it for them, they have three games potentially against top 10 teams, and none of those games stray of lines where the other team is favored by more than seven and a half. So they have a decent chance at least of beating three different top 10 teams, one of them on the road, two of them at home, and then they have pretty quality ACC teams across the board uh, that they could have a chance of beating that could put, the, obviously, with Duke, Pitt, and NC State, and then Wake Forest to an extent as well. Um, and that could put them into the playoff, honestly. So they will swing the playoff significantly on their own, very interesting team to watch. If you want to watch the shaping of the playoff, watch Notre Dame season unfold because the rest of it is just going to be who's the one lost conference champion, but they could really throw a wrench into that plan for a few teams. That wraps this special college football preview edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, you won't want to miss the next special college football preview edition, which will be on Friday, August 11th, where we'll take a look at a few conferences that might have something to say about the national champion next year, the SEC and the Big Ten. In the meantime, please be sure to check out our next regular podcast, which will be on Monday, August 7th, where we will have a look at Patrick's weekend predictions and our weekly review of Major League Baseball. Also, in the meantime, check out Patrick's Patrick's additional content, including his Major League Baseball power rankings that are updated every Wednesday, his picks for next weekend's games that are posted, as always, on Thursday, and his predictions for the entire college football season, which has already been posted. All that content is on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.